welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I am your host, Kara, and today my friend Hannah Harden joins us and we chat about what caused her to push pause on her teaching career to take care of four kids who lost their mom. This girl is as humble as they come. She volunteers with refugees. She has a singing voice of an angel. And we also talk a little bit about life as a single lady. And we couldn't help ourselves because we touch on the Enneagram later in the show. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, stay tuned because I think you will find it fascinating. So Hannah, we semi know each other, but not really. This will be like the longest conversation we've ever had. I know. It's a big day for us. <laughs> it is a big day for us. We were uh, match made by our friend Callie, mm-hmm. yes. who y'all went to A&M together. We did. And you sang at her wedding. Yeah. You have yes. a beautiful voice. Are you still Are you still singing? Thank you. Right back at you. Oh, um, I am still singing. Good. I Yeah, I sing mainly at church with our worship team um, and then just random weddings. Yeah. It's fun. That's awesome. Yes. Okay, so Hannah, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in this life. Okay. Um, well, my name is Hannah. I live in Dallas, and I've been back in Dallas for about seven years now. Um, so I moved back right after graduating from A&M. And originally, when I graduated, I like really wanted to go into missions, but also had student loans to pay off. Right. So the reality, <laughs> you know, the reality of like just like going to a different country was not um, really a reality. So yeah. moved back to Dallas and was fortunate enough to work in a school where there were a lot of international students. And so I really feel like the Lord was just so gracious in that to like give me a taste of the foreign mission field here yeah. in Dallas and got to work with those families and got really close with them. Um, awesome. Did you have like a certain grade or certain subject or like what's your teaching background? Yeah, so I did first grade for five years and loved it. And then through just kind of a crazy turn of events, and we'll get more into that, I'm sure later, um, went into tanning and I've been doing that for two years. And then I'm going back into teaching in the fall and I'm really excited just to be back in the classroom. I'll be doing second grade this go around. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we will get more into both of those things, teaching and nannying. But first, I want to ask you the question that I ask every guest at the beginning of the show. Oh, and yes. that is to tell me a random fact about you that not a lot of people okay. know. Okay. I think honestly, truly just like my closest people know this, but I really like default to talking in accents most of the time. (laughs) Wait, most of the time. (laughs) If I'm just like, I mean, you know, at home or or even in my classroom, I would just do that. Or um, I'm trying to think of an example. I bet the kids like like, love that. (laughs) It's fun. It like keeps things interesting, I guess. Or they just think I'm so weird. Yeah. Like if I'm studying or like reading, if I need to like remember something, I'll like read it out loud to myself in an accent and it works I don't know why <laughs> have you done this like as long as you can remember yeah it's just always been a thing I don't know why <laughs> I really don't know like what sparked it do you have like one that you uh like more than the others <laughs> um I think the one I do most often is Irish and I really don't Prove know it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you oh, like 
kind of pressure, a lot of pressure, because then you live there for a while. Well, I mean, I lived in Ireland for a few months, so. <laughs> Can you say something in your Irish accent? <laughs> um, or do you, are you, is this where you draw the line, the podcast line? <laughs> no, it's okay. The podcast line, it's, it's okay. It's, it's blurry. Okay. I'm thinking, like, how awkward I would feel if I were you right now. <laughs> I'm, like, looking around for something in my room, but, like, something just to read. Well, okay, so I have a, something you can tell us. You're such a good host. It's another okay. fact, a fact about you. So you can, like, you can answer this in your Irish accent. Okay, I'm ready. So apparently you know how to make gnocchi. Oh. That, did I say that right? Yes. From scratch. <laughs> is that true? That is true. Um, <laughs> right. So... <laughs> I feel so weird right now, but I'm just going to keep going with this. Um, oh my gosh, you're really good at this. Thank you, Kara. Okay, but so for real, you know how to make gnocchi. I can't say that word. Can you tell us what it is and how and like why you know how to make that? Yes, I'm going to switch back to my real voice because I just yeah, feel weird. Um, but... <laughs> But yes, okay. Yeah, we so, might we might lose some people if you switch accents every every few minutes. <laughs> um, but yes, I so one of my brother's best friends, his family, they're like truly straight from Italy, like from a little island. And his dad is a chef and owns some restaurants in the Dallas area. And they host like private cooking classes. So for some friends and I, we went over there. It was for my birthday, which was like my ideal way to celebrate. And he just taught us how to make gnocchi and it was so fun and I had tried it before on my own and it was horrible so I was so (laughs) excited to like finally learn the techniques and be like a real chef that's so cool it's like a potato-y pasta kind of right like a dumpling so it really like a dumpling yeah so whatever you know for all those listeners out there struggling (laughs) you can do it (laughs) that's right (laughs) um but yeah, it was so fun. I make it all the time with the kids. I nanny. I feel like it's a fun like kid thing to do because it's almost like Play-Doh. You get your hands in it and it's like very... A great idea. Yeah, it's very kinesthetic. So it's just a fun, fun project. And then you get to eat it afterwards. And then you get to eat it. That's like way better than Play-Doh. <laughs> Although my kids do eat Play-Doh when I tried that. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of the kids that you... Nanny, tell us how this came about, you switching okay. from education to nannying, which is also education, but classroom to nannying. <laughs> yes, yes, just totally different setting. Um, so when I was teaching kind of in my last year, I remember sitting at my desk one morning and just hearing the Lord really clearly tell me that my time at that school was done. And I had no idea what that meant, if that meant going into teaching somewhere else or what that would look like. Um, So I started applying at different schools, had interviews over the summer and felt so great about all of them. And like on paper, everything seemed perfect. I like interviewed with this refugee organization that I loved and had been volunteering for. And even in that just felt like so unsettled everything fell through and I just like did not I was so confused because I like knew the Lord had spoken to me and told me something else was coming and like I had taken all these steps to pursue that and just nothing was working in the meantime that same summer one of Hannah's dearest friends Jamie she was Hannah's mentor through high school and college she was pregnant and was having just these debates 
debilitating migraines. So after the baby was born, she went in for testing and found out she actually had a condition that she'd had since birth, but just flared up during pregnancy. So Hannah's friend and mentor, Jamie, went in for a simple corrective surgery. She was supposed to go home within like three days after the surgery. Next night, woke up, went to the bathroom, went back to bed, and then just went unconscious and was brain dead. She ended up passing away a few days after that. And during that time while she was in the hospital, I was a part of a crew that was staying with the baby who was six weeks old at the time um, and her three older kids while the dad was running back and forth to the hospital and making funeral plans, just all of that. And again, just like I feel like as clearly as the Lord spoke to me in my classroom, I remember standing in this family's kitchen one day and just feeling so burdened for them because um, I knew, I mean, obviously I can't imagine being a kid and losing your mom and just feeling like your world is literally falling apart. But yeah, I just remember standing in their kitchen and then feeling and just hearing the Lord say for such a time as this and just knowing that meant in like my pursuit of other jobs and feeling him calling me out of teaching for a season, just finally like feeling the clarity of like, okay, this is what that is. And knowing he was calling me to step in with his family for a period of time and not knowing how long that would be, but just knowing like in the moment, that's what I needed to do. And these kids, they were homeschooled. So wow, they're with her all the time. Yeah, they were. I mean, she was played such a huge role in their lives. And how old were they again? I know she had the six week old. Yes, they were 16, 13, 10, and then the six week old. Wow. And that is how it started. So that's what I've been doing. Wow. Two years. And yeah. And you are how old at this point? I was 26. 26. So, is, and that was two years ago? Yep. Okay, so you're 28 now. So you're mm-hmm. grieving too, and you're trying to help them grieve, also trying to be strong for everybody, but yes. also push them to keep walking forward one step, well, you know, one foot in front of the other. What, what, yeah. what are ways that you did that? Like, what did that look like at times? So sometimes it literally looked like just getting out of the house and going to do something. Yeah. Because some of the kids are such homebodies and I don't think they would ever get off the couch if they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, when you're sad, couch is your best friend. Yes. Um, so just, I mean, sometimes it literally was making them get up and like brush their hair and get ready to go somewhere. I think the thing I found most helpful was keeping a routine just to have some sense of familiarity in the midst of like all of their loss and everything in life that seemed so chaotic and so hectic. And something I was really worried about going into it, um, I really feared that they would hold resentment towards the baby Mm. and not like Jamie's condition truly had nothing to do with pregnancy. So if you're listening and you're pregnant, don't hear this and think, oh my gosh, what? Um, It truly was something she was born with. But I feared because they didn't know that until she was pregnant. I just feared they would like hold so much bitterness towards the baby. Mm -hmm. Like it was her fault. And she ended up being like such a source of joy for the kids and such like a sweet distraction for them. Um, because she's six weeks old. And so literally like all of our energy and focus kind of went on her. So also just like starting a routine with the baby and like including the kids in that 
was really helpful because it gave them a task and something to do and something kind of be distracted by. Right. And babies are so great and cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was really helpful. Did so like I'm thinking six week old, yeah. they're, they're still waking up all through the night. Mm-hmm. Is that just something that the dad um, took care of at that point? Or did you'll have pe- other people helping even through the night? Or what was that like? Yeah, they did. They had people from their church that would come stay over for those first couple of weeks right after Jamie died. Yeah. And then he ended up hiring a night nurse for about a week, cool. which I didn't even know this was a thing. But yeah, yeah this just, sounds awesome. <laughs> I know. I was like, once you get this yeah but her job literally is she like sleep trains babies wow. which works out so well because she was there for a week training the baby to sleep wow. and the week after that the entire family went out of town and I stayed overnight with the baby for a week okay. and I like went into that being like oh my gosh because I need sleep um, and I'm like really <laughs> that. yeah I was like I'm sure most people are yeah and I was terrified I was like I'm um, these kids have just lost their mom and I'm going to kill their baby because I'm not going to her <laughs> or wake up to her. Uh, I, I think that I felt those things uh, <laughs> too when I had newborns. I think everybody <laughs> with newborns, it's like so scary. Yes, so much responsibility. Yes. So thankfully, night nurse Maria killed it and yes. the baby slept. Awesome. Okay. So who did you look to in these times for help? Because I mean, like I'm thinking again of having a six week old which obviously yeah. I know that the, she wasn't yours, but like you're assuming yeah. a lot of responsibility yeah. and ranging up to 16 year old and trying to probably care for them. <laughs> I'm sure if you're like yeah. me, you're like putting all this pressure on yourself to like know how to do it all. But, oh, absolutely. But there's no way you could. So who did you look to for like help? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, So with the baby, most of my friends, my closest friends at the time, have literally just had babies mm-hmm. or were about to have babies. Like Callie, yes. our mutual blessed friend, yes. she was about to have Piper. And you know Molly? Yes. Molly had a baby like two weeks after Melody, the baby I nanny, was born and had another friend. So that was so helpful to like have my closest friends going through that and to be able to call them and be like, okay, how much milk do I give her now? Or right. when does she nap? Just those questions like I obviously didn't know the answer to. Right. And then with the older kids, I honestly, I went to my mom a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, my mom homeschooled us for a period of time. So she was really helpful to talk to. Um, and my mom is also one of the most like patient, gracious people I know. Mm. So she was like really helpful. Did you homeschool them? I more so just like managed them, like okay. make sure they were getting things done. Okay. Kara, my like, my teaching abilities don't go past like seven years old. So. <laughs> I need you to come live with me till mine are seven because I feel like I'm not very good at this age. I don't know. <laughs> but they, so they were still being homeschooled, but they're basically like schooling themselves, I guess. Yes. Okay. And they did, um, they did a co-op. I don't know if you've heard of those. Yeah. So like all of them, all of Jamie's best friends were all in this co-op together and still are. Cool. So I kind of had to just like jump into this mom world. Whoa. I bet that was really weird. It was so weird. Because yeah. you're not you're not married, right? Oh, yeah. So you're like, 
Golly. And it was such like a funny transition to go from teaching and being on the teaching side of things and then yeah. to be on the other side of it in the parent world. And I almost had to view them as like my new coworkers. I feel like that's like the yeah. mindset I had to go with to like help me figure out those relationships. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Because it was like they weren't my friends. They weren't. Right. I don't know. It was just like a weird thing to figure out. It is kind of weird. It's like almost like the stepmom that comes in and it's like I promise I'm not trying to be their mom but I have this role that's yeah, like a mom like, my job I don't know it's weird yeah that that is a weird dynamic I'm sure did you end up making any surprising friends from that yes. group or not not really yeah okay. so many they have been so welcoming like it was definitely I feel like it took a couple of months for because they also obviously had lost their best friend yes so I kept trying to think of like okay if I like thinking of those girls that I lived with at A&M, there were seven of us and they still to this day are some of my closest friends and thinking of like, if one of them died and this random girl that like was kind of unknown to our group came in, I would have been, I probably would have like gone kind of psycho. Yeah. Just like, right. you know, like losing my friend and then seeing her kids being taken care of by this girl. Yeah. So just trying to like picture that scenario and try to feel what they were feeling Mm -hmm. and I feel like it took a couple of months for all of us to kind of figure each other out and realize like okay we can make this work and we ended up a few of them took me to dinner one night and we got margaritas and the rest is history yeah (laughs) I love it (laughs) it was just yeah it was so great um to like talk to them outside of carpool you know to like yes them as people um so yeah there have been really sweet friendships out of that and then from their church community one of the older mom friends one of Jamie's best friends I think she like started to realize I was really struggling um just like with loneliness being at home with the baby and really it was this weird time period of almost like what I don't know if this is like <laughs> Oh, too much to say. It felt like what I would imagine postpartum depression to feel like. Yeah. Like going from working in the classroom environment, like I taught with a few of my close friends and going from like being with them every day to being with the six week old every day and not like all of my friends had gone back to work. I was just there at the house and also still grieving. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the most intense form of like loneliness. I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And one of the moms really picked up on that and was so kind. She was like, Hey, there is a group of younger moms at our church that all have babies around Melody's age. And they're starting a group on Thursdays just to like get together and hang out. Would you be interested in joining that? So she kind of arranged that setup. And that has like been, I just like one of like the sweetest blessings throughout this whole thing is just Mm -hmm. getting to know those moms. And that also has been so helpful with Melody, like figuring, you know, just like being able to do life with them and they all live in the same neighborhood and all the babies are the same age and they've just been so kind and gracious and welcoming and just like, I mean, such like a balm to my like grieving heart in that time. Man, that is so cool. Like I had the chills as you were saying that just somebody seeing beyond the circumstances of you being like a quote unquote nanny, but just seeing you as like, you know what, you're a caretaker and we're going to bring you in yes. and we're going to, yes. we're going to walk. We want to walk this with you. That is so, man, what insight that that woman had. Oh, yes. I will. <laughs> forever be grateful to her for that and those moms have 
become some really great friends. Yeah. So does this like make you long for or not long for like motherhood of your own marriage all that where does that put you oh my gosh honestly that like varies day to day okay yeah weekend (laughs) I literally called my sister and I was like I am not having children till I'm 40 (laughs) but then (laughs) there are like some days where it is just so sweet and this last week um with the 11 year old she had just gotten back from their church camp and I just had a bad like emotional day and just felt like really off and I was telling her I was like I just need to like play like a screamo song and just like let's just do karaoke so we were in the living room (laughs) I was belting it to Lady Gaga a million reasons and (laughs) Meadow the 11 year old she was like oh my gosh I have the perfect next song for us right now it's just what you need and I was expecting like you know I don't know what 11 year olds are into I was expecting like some like Disney Channel superstar song and (laughs) she turned on we Will Feed in the House of Zion by Sandra McCracken. I don't think I know this. It's like a really, well, you know, All Sons and Daughters. Yes. They sing the song with Sandra McCracken, the worship song. It's like, it's beautiful. So I like immediately start weeping because I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am like belting it to Lady Gaga and Meadow and her sweet little heart is like, no, I know what you actually need to be listening to, which was so true. Like oh, literally it's like straight song so the lyrics. <laughs> And it was such a like, sweet, weird moment. We were like sitting on the floor, raising our hands, singing along to We Will Feast in the House of Zion. And that was one of those moments mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you were so good. That's so cool. I'm linking to both of those songs <laughs> so everybody else can. <laughs> I, think, I think. So the dad of the family she's nannying for is now engaged and is getting married in September. So the timing is just perfect with Hannah transitioning back to teaching and this woman coming into the family. She loves the kids. I did ask Hannah about how she's feeling about leaving nannying, though. I have such mixed feelings. I feel like those feelings also vary day to day. I am so excited to be back in the classroom, but I am also really going to miss being with these kids every day. They've become such a huge part of my life and will always be, and especially with a baby. Um, One thing that is so hard for me to wrap my head around and it may sound so selfish, but just the thought of like, she has been such a huge part of my life for the last two years. And like, I will remember this time forever. Like it is such a point of art in my life. And it's hard for me to think about her not really remembering these two years. Um, so that is like such a, that is something I really struggle with. And that is just me being very real with you. No. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like, yeah, it's like she was your first child in a way, you know, like, yes, she really was. Um, yeah, I feel like the best comparison I can make would be comparing it to being like a foster parent. Yes. Right. And I remember having a conversation with my mom when I started, um, particularly just about the baby because the older kids I had known before, and they're obviously old enough to remember, but with a baby, I was like, I am so afraid to love her because I know it's going to hurt so much when I leave them. Um, and not that like I'm leaving forever, I'll still see her, but just already like, like going into the job, anticipating the end um, mm-hmm. and just really wrestling with that in the beginning of like how, like how much do I love her? Like how much do I like bend myself mm-hmm. to her? Um, and I remember my mom just telling me, she was like, honestly, you are stepping into a role that requires you to be 
absolutely selfless. And a part of that is being selfless and opening your heart to her. And you can't hold back that love from her. Like that is a need of hers right now. A need is her like to be loved and to feel that. And that's a part of your job now. She's like, and the Lord will provide the strength for you when it's time to leave. And you will get through that as hard as it is. But like in this moment, you don't really have a choice of like withholding love. From yeah. Um, yeah, man, she, she really may probably and may never, never really know how much you love. Her. Yes, it's very, yeah, it's true. Um, so just, yeah, leaving that with the Lord and yeah, Ugh, it's, hard. it's hard. It is. It's, it is. it's such a sweet gift. Like I'm thinking like, Putting myself in your friend Jamie's shoes, the one that passed away. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, how, what a gift to her. Mm-hmm. You know, as a mom, I'm like, oh, I just, I mean, this is like beautiful to my ears. Like, <laughs> that if somebody, like, if something were to happen to me, I know I'm okay. But like, what about my kids? And knowing that the Lord put someone that like loved him, loves their kids, like, yeah. man, what a, what a mm-hmm. gift for Jamie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about being a single lady and we'll talk about the Enneagram that's kind of a big deal right now. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, stay tuned because it's pretty fascinating. But first, I have three things to tell you. One, if you haven't connected with me on Instagram, come say hi and let me know you're listening to this show at Kara Don Z. That's K A R A D A W N Z. Kara Don Z. Two, if you haven't left a rating and review on iTunes, go do it. Have a friend show you how. It'll take two minutes of your time. It will help other women to find this show. And I know several of you men listen to this show as well, so leave a rating review as well and let us know how this is helpful for you. Three, everything we talk about today will be up on headedsomeplace.com. So we'll have lots of links up there, and you can find out how to support this podcast on Patreon straight from the website headedsomeplace.com. I have some other friends that are single, and a lot of times one of their frustrations is that it feels like people are always trying to set them up, for one, and then two, like it feels like that they are not looked at as like a whole person yet, Mm -hmm. like there's like a yet to the end of everything. So what do you, what's your perspective on that? What do you feel about that? Um, I can totally relate to that. Um, Yeah, the setups are so fun. (laughs) I feel like it really (laughs) says a lot about like what your friends think of you based on who they set you up with, kind of. (laughs) So that's always fun. Have you been on? Have you been on dates that you're like, uh, really? (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is a funny story. I was actually set up once by one of my students' parents. (laughs) We were on a field trip, and the dad he was like, "Hey, are you single?" And I got really weirded out because I was like, "Okay, a, I know that you're married. B, we're on like a school field trip." what are you doing? Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, why are you asking? And he was like, well, my wife and I, there's a pastor at our church and we just think y'all would be perfect. Like my wife feels like she's heard from the Lord that y'all are supposed to be together. And I was like, oh gosh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, That's a little intense but, intro, but okay. But <laughs> um, well, I was also like, okay, what the heck? what is it going to hurt? Yeah. Why not? Yes. Um, free dinner, free dinner. Exactly. Unless I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend any feminists out there that are like, no, but also like (laughs) we're all poor in this life. A free dinner that goes so far. (laughs) 
Yeah. Feminists are not except a free meal. Yes, we could all use that. Um, yeah, so we went to dinner. He was really, really nice. Um, but I just like was not feeling it at all. Mm-hmm. And the mom, I mean, she just like knew that like the Lord wanted this to happen. So that was weird to be like, I'm so sorry. I'm just not in, but I also like have to see you every day and teach your daughter. Yeah, that that is. That would make me feel weird. (laughs) I know. So yeah, yeah, the whole person thing, that is so true. And I, I think one thing like I've talked about with my single friends here in Dallas is just kind of the mindset of living in Texas and I'm sure in Oklahoma as well, or maybe just the South in general, people get married so young and start families Mm -hmm. so young. And I went through a period of time in my early twenties, like where I really felt like something was wrong with me since that hadn't happened and feeling like, yeah, like I had been overlooked or I had done something wrong for that not to have happened Mm -hmm. and almost feeling this like sense of shame and feeling like unwanted and yeah, I mean, just so struggled with um, my identity and like my success and worth in life being so wrapped up mm-hmm. in the fact that I wasn't married yet. Um, I have one friend in particular that's a little older and she's still single and she's just been so encouraging and truly just like seeing how like as much as yes, uh, like she wants to be married, she wants a husband and she wants to be a mom and she wants that life. But to also see her walk so faithfully right now and to not let those wants and desires be a hindrance to being present today. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's something I can get wrapped up in is like wanting that so badly that mm-hmm. I like almost just mourn not having that Yeah. instead of like being here Yes. in this moment. Yes. Um, And I mean, honestly, like nannying has weirdly been really helpful for that. Like, I feel like it is so taken down any sort of like glittery fantasy view I had of motherhood, even of like the thoughts I had of like what it would be like to be a wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like taking out the glamour. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's been helpful just to be like, okay, this is genuinely not the end all be all. Yeah. Do you feel like that the church in general is good at encouraging you as a single woman? Do you feel discouraged by the church? Where's your what's your thoughts? Um I would say I feel like the church is like growing yeah. in ways to encourage. I think when I first moved back to Dallas, especially, I feel like everyone at church was either young married or like young families. Mm-hmm. And there was so much um, pressure and emphasis put on marriage. Yeah. And that was hard for me because I was like, okay, well, if I'm not, what, about me? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yes. And then I feel like my church in particular kind of like swung to the other side of the pendulum of like placing a lot of emphasis on being single. I felt like it was almost like all of like our pastors who were married were being really in a sweet way, but almost like overly sensitive to singles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I felt like as a single and like my fellow, my fellow comrades, (laughs) um, like almost kind of needed to be told to like suck it up. Yeah. I know it sounds a little hard. <laughs> yeah. But also just the reality, like I I don't know. Like I feel like sometimes when you like talk so much about a certain aspect of life, you give that struggle more power than it needs. Mm-hmm. And like with being single, it was almost like the more 
we talked about it in church, the more sermons we had on it in church and the more it was like, it's okay, you're going to make it. The more that became like almost like a crutch or an idol. Yeah. As opposed to like, this is just life. Yeah. <laughs> like God is still God. Yeah. And you need to get over yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like the church is like moving towards a good place. Yeah. 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 It's okay. like they we may want to like overcompensate. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I totally do that. Cause I'm like, I want you to know that I don't think that you're not a full person <laughs> and whatever. And then you're probably like, okay. I don't, I don't feel like I'm not a full person, but since you pointed that out, now maybe I feel like I should feel that. You need to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, there's like such a balance. Yeah. You need to hear that. Yeah. That empathy is so necessary. Yes. But also, I also like, I'm like, oh, I bet you, you get sick of people trying to set you up. But then of course, the first thing that goes to my mind is like, oh, I know these cool people. Like, oh my I'm gosh, set them up. Don't ever hesitate. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> Thanks for permission. Okay, yeah. so last thing that I want to talk about because it's one thing that you yeah. said that you're really interested in right now, and I'm totally geeking out is the Enneagram. <gasps> okay, are you into it too? Okay, I I've just listened to some podcasts. I haven't read any of the books yet, and I've taken the test, but. People listening, I posted something about it on my Instagram, and everyone was like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of the Enneagram. So for those of you who don't know, I'm going to give you a completely amateur explanation of what it is, but it's sort of like a personality test type tool, and it uses the numbers one through nine, and each number represents a different type of person. So it's cool because to me, it's like different than most personality tests in that uh, so you take a little te- – you can take a, a like, extensive test, but mm-hmm. I, I've only done, like, one of those little ones online, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that other people can go find out theirs. But it's, like – it's different than, like, personality tests a little bit because there's a lot yeah. of room for, like, you to deviate from your, like, quote-unquote number, which I like. Yeah. And plus, every – like, other people that I know that have come out and tested with the same number as me were, like, totally different. Like, our personalities are, are different. So I feel like it's yeah. almost more than a personality. It's kind of like, what are your instincts? What makes you do the thing? You know, what is your thought process yeah, like? Yeah, kind of like the behind-the-scenes things. Yes, exactly. Okay, so what's your number? So my number is the nine. And oh, the you're peacemaker. a peacemaker. Yeah. Yes. So that – it really <laughs> – like it sounds so nerdy it's been so helpful to read into and research especially with this nannying job Mm -hmm. um because as a nine so each like personality has like their biggest fear or or sorry it's like they're almost their like deadly sin and mine is avoidance particularly like avoidance of conflict and I've no, I feel like that has so reared its head in this mm. job through different like relationships with the family's friends and even like with the kids and like wanting to create this peaceful environment for them. And in that, like wanting there to never be any conflict, but like having to learn so much through this experience, like conflict is a good and necessary thing as much as I hate it. And really having to learn how, when I feel literally in my gut, like, entering into conflict or seeing it and being like, nope, no, 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 no. I'm going to go away. Like having to really lean into that and lean into conflict, that has been so hard to learn, but it's been so helpful doing the Enneagram because I feel like they put words 
to so many feelings I've had my entire life. And it's so cool to like read that and be like, oh my gosh, I'm known. Yes. What do you I am a number two, which is the (gasps) helper. The helper, helper, which at first I had a friend that like made me do it. So she asked me all the questions and I was like, that's like so not sexy. (laughs) I thought I was like going to be something like cooler is what I thought. But then once I once I like read about it, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like nailing it on most things of like why I do what I do. And it had help. It's just a tool. So it's like it really is. I talked to another friend like right after I first like heard about it and she was so she's also a two and oh. um, she was just like we're all these uniquely designed creatures that no number no personality test is going to be able to define us or be all encompassing so I'm not first and foremost a type two personality. I'm like Kara. I'm Kara. So there's only one me. Like God made one me. And I happen to have these like this cool tool just to help aid me in how I think and like challenge me. And so I appreciated that because I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, personality tests just give people excuses to be the way they are. Oh, absolutely. But for those of us that have been adopted as sons or daughters of God, our hope is that we're never just going to be the way that we are. We're always being transformed, hopefully, to look more and more like Jesus. Yeah. So there's this podcast called – it's actually a guy that he performs music, writes music under the name Sleeping at Last. Have you heard of it? Oh, my gosh. I was going to bring him up. Oh, I know. So I'll link to this podcast in the show notes. But right now he's doing a project where he writes a song for each Enneagram type. Your number? How do you, have you listened to the number two? Oh my. I listened and I like cried and I was like, I feel so understood right now. <laughs> and it just made me feel appreciated. I love it because like every number he goes through and like tells you like the gifts of being that number. Yes, it's beautiful. It's so cool. I love it. Because I think like you were saying earlier with the Enneagram and I totally agree. I think one of the things I love most about it is how it's a tool really to challenge you to grow and really in like your weaknesses, like kind of like you were saying with other personality tests, you can use them as a crutch to yeah. be your bad self. Right. And I feel like the Enneagram exposes that in a mm-hmm. way. Like when I first read the profile of a nine, I had so many mixed emotions because I felt so understood but at the same time I felt so exposed Mm. so it was like all of these parts of myself that I've never really given words to were given words to and were out there and I was like these are all the things I've tried so hard for people not to see yeah but now there it is on paper Mm -hmm. so it was easy for me to like feel really down about myself but I feel like his songs they're so encouraging because yes. they really highlight just all the beautiful parts of people. Yes. And I think those gifts that the Lord has given us and has given you, like, yeah, they're just so moving. Yeah, it is. And it is like, it is hopeful too. And yes. that oh, sure. like, it gives you kind of, here's what you look like when you're operating in an unhealthy way. Yes. And here's what you look mm-hmm. like when you're healthy. And so it's like pushing you to not be the unhealthy yes. traits yeah. or know why you are 
you know, yeah, give you kind of an awareness. Anyway, it's so cool. I could geek out about it. Oh, <laughs> I want to read a book too, but so far I've just listened to his podcasts about, uh, cause he brings on an expert to like talk through the different personalities, but yeah, it's been helpful even with my husband too, which they call us double opposites. which is funny because they say you're like drawn they're typically so he's a number five (gasps) oh my god which is uh sometimes called the investigator (laughs) or the observer like he's a thinking type i'm a feeling type and then a lot of times fives can be introverted i'm an extrovert so anyway we're like double double whammy (sighs) but it's funny because we were reading off after he did the little test i I made him do yeah. it, which one of the things I just found out is like, they don't really care about these kind of things. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, let's find out everybody's personality. And so I was like asking him all the questions and then reading him the results. And we were just like laughing yeah. because it was like, here's what, you know, five doesn't like. And it's like all these things that I. We're like <laughs> just doing. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoops. And we're just dying laughing because we're like, oh, we have to like have so much grace with each other. <laughs> but it's really cool. Like when I listen to the Sleeping at Last podcast on number five, I just like, or I just like teared up because one of their things is like they're very, they pick and put a lot of thought into the friends that they are going to invest in and the people that they are, like their relationships and it. Yeah. comes down to like conserving energy for the those that they really like want to spend the energy mm-hmm. on to invest in and it just made me like I told him I was like I just cried because I was like so thankful that you chose me like as one of your people that That's I know and they only because a lot of times they only have like a few people maybe throughout their whole entire life sometimes um, and obviously yeah. there's ex- there's exceptions to all these little rules but yeah but yeah. it was it was sweet because I was like you chose to spend your energy on me (laughs) so I love I know it's pretty sweet so sweet yeah it's cool I do want to learn more more about it just even for those types of relationships I think it's helpful for me to understand like gives me so much more like understanding and grace absolutely because I'm like I identify as a two or a helper once I know Mm -hmm. that I'm like oh okay I want to help in whatever way I can so if I can understand you better then I want to do that and then I want to you know I don't know help <laughs> oh which is so cool and, yeah and I think like you doing this podcast is such a cool representation mm-hmm. of you being a helper mm-hmm. like even just not like you're doing this to help women feel connected and encouraged mm-hmm. just in the day-to-day and that's such like a sweet way to use that gift that the Lord has given you and to use that tool that's so cool. Know, cool thank you and I here's something else cool that I um when I was pregnant with my first my first child like three years ago probably it's probably almost four now whenever I was pregnant my husband and I went through this class with some people from our church and we were okay. writing like kind of vision statements for our lives and the part I remembered and cling to a lot is I will be a helper to my husband first and then to my children. And to me, that came from several things. Like, like I feel like a lot of our parents' generation a lot of times could easily focus on kids to mm-hmm. avoid, mm-hmm. you know, whatever is, like, missing in their own relationship or to be able to, like, yeah. you know, skirt around conflict or any of those things. Mm-hmm. So they pour it into us. And Derek and I, from the beginning, were like, we really want to make it a priority to invest into our relationship. <sighs> And then knowing that, like, our kids are going to benefit from that. Like, they're going to be better helped and better served if we do that. And it takes, Mm -hmm. for sure, with these, like, 
little ones and I'm sure at all phases it takes intentionality to, to do that because it's easier to help oh, the needier seemingly yeah. needier uh humans but <laughs> but so the other thing that was cool is in that time I had learned um I think from a, like a Matt Chandler sermon that the word mm-hmm. for helper when God creates Adam and then he creates Eve as a helper suitable for him it's the same word that when Jesus says in the New Testament, I'm going to send, like, it's better that I go because I'm going to send a helper. He, It's the same word for the Holy Spirit. And so it's this idea that, like, no one would say the Holy Spirit is not a strong and powerful, no, that's you know, so empowering. role. It's like, whoa, yeah. this woman is, like, he's yeah. elevating women. You know, he's not putting women wow. down by saying they're a helper. He's saying like, no, this is a, this is a powerful role and yeah. um, a strong role. And so it was so cool whenever I, but it's also funny that whenever I first heard that I was like a helper, that was kind of lame. And then I'm like, oh wait, no, that's a strong, that's <laughs> like a strong role. So anyone yes, else out there? <laughs> Talk to those two. So, really okay. Cool. So last question that I ask every guest, yes. if you could go back in time, five or 10 years and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I think one would be to let people in. That is something I've always struggled with is just being vulnerable and just opening myself up to others. Um, I feel like I'm like much quicker to take people in than I am to Mm -hmm. like let myself be known. And I've done that almost as like a defense mechanism, I guess. So especially with this experience of nannying, um, just realizing the importance and the value and being known and being loved for my downfalls and my weaknesses. Yeah. So that would be a huge one just to let people in, to not be afraid of that. And also just another big one for me is really learning that like trusting the Lord is a choice, like a daily choice that I have to make. And and it is so hard, but it is so good and worthwhile. I think for so long growing up, I expected that to be this feeling that I would feel one day that like one day I would be older and wiser and just have this like all-encompassing feeling trusting the Lord Mm. and learning that like that that trust is not a feeling if that makes sense like it really it's a choice that like I have to wake up and choose every day to trust him and to walk in that even when I don't feel it or I don't believe it. That's so good. And even the one where like letting people in, I just am reminded of the story you told us about the 11 year old girl, like you at least (laughs) opening up and saying like, yeah, this is kind of, I'm in like kind of a crummy place. And it, by you doing that, it actually gives you more healing because it's like, Oh, you know, someone's able to like speak into that place. So yes, yes, for sure. sure. That's so cool. Well, Hannah, thank you seriously so much for taking time to do this and for sharing and for opening yourself up to (laughs) to all of us. We're so grateful. (laughs) No, this was so fun. Thanks for having me. Everything we talked about today is up on headedsomeplace.com, including the link to the free Enneagram test we were talking about. And Hannah also answers some extra questions like what music she's listening to and loving right now and the most influential book she's ever read. You'll also be able to contact Hannah or myself straight from the website headedsomeplace.com. Special thanks today for music from thelightparademusic.com and Frontline Music produced by Dustin Ragland. Thank you for listening, and I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged.